If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, do you know it? That's my question for today. Uh, if you are an exercise professional, if you're a healthy, fit, strong human being, if you're a coach, if you're somebody who wants to be healthy, fit and strong for the rest of your life, do you know what you should know? The fundamentals, the foundation of how to get fit, how to get strong and how to personalize and customize your exercise program to suit your life or suit the people who you are writing an exercise program for or you are creating a program that they can literally stay young and strong for a long time and to me that's one of the most exciting things about being an exercise professional so if somebody gets injured if somebody gets hurt who can we blame and I'm not uh, I, I'm not a fan of any kind of blame I, I like the idea of taking full responsibility so if I get injured who has to take responsibility for my body getting hurt and there's probably two parts to that uh, if I put myself in the hands of a professional person should I have done my due diligence on that person? So should I know if they're qualified? Uh, do they have ex any experience? Do they actually know how the human body works? Uh, do they know about all the things about me that they should know? Because sometimes an exercise program might be safe or an exercise might be safe, but it isn't safe for me or an individual person because the right questions weren't asked. So if I put myself in the hands of somebody who I trust, should I have created a reason to trust them? So then if I get injured, uh, it will be my fault because I chose that exercise professional. And if I chose somebody who doesn't know their stuff or isn't qualified or doesn't know their anatomy and physiology or gave me a dumb exercise, uh, that's not their fault, is it? It's mine because I chose that person. As an exercise professional, however, <laughs> can you imagine what it's like uh, if you were to injure somebody? So whether by ignorance or arrogance or both, and arrogance is very ugly, of course, because that's when you think you know everything and you don't. But let's say by either of those, you give somebody an exercise, and because of you, because of me as the exercise professional, because of us, a person gets hurt. So they get a sore knee or a sore shoulder or a sore back or an injury. And I think that uh, as, a, as a professional, that's got to be a horrible thing. Imagine your client walking away from your session and that they are injured. They can't come to the next session or they can't come to several sessions. And for some people, that becomes the end of their exercise for the rest of their life. So they're, they're never going to be young and strong for long because that was the catalyst that stopped them from exercising at all. So I don't imagine that you would ever want to be in that position. So that's from an injury point of view. But there's two parts to, to, I think, injuring people. One is that you actually hurt their body. But what about if you waste their time? See, an injury it can recover. If I get a sore knee or a sore shoulder or a sore back, it will probably recover over time. But if I waste somebody's time, they can never get that time back. If somebody wastes my time, I can't, it's not like I can replace it or buy some more or create some more. We only get 24 hours in a day. There are only seven days in a week. There are only 365 days in the year and we don't know how many years we're going to get. So could it be a really important responsibility as an exercise professional to know our stuff so that if somebody trusts us with their body, they trust us with their time, they trust us with their goals and the results that they want to achieve, should we have every thing covered? Should we have the fundamentals, the foundations, the in-depth knowledge to be able to create? And I always look at the three things, get people fit, get people strong, and make sure their program is 
personalised and specialised and, and it's customised to their lifestyle. So they're the, the three things to being an exercise professional. So what are the things that we need to know? And this is something that uh, as, as, a, as an educator I deal with every day. Uh, both ignorance and arrogance and a combination of the two. And I share that with you openly because that was me. Uh, I became a literally a qualified exercise, prof- and I wouldn't call myself a professional. I, I got a bit of paper uh, when I was 15 years of age. Uh, and there wasn't, there, there just, there was very few courses. There was one place you could go in Australia. I remember I'm a very old lady. And in nine days, this original course was nine days and in that time, you learn anatomy, physiology, exercise programming, nutrition. You learn how to teach group exercise. You learn how to teach aquarobics. You had a first aid course. You learn how to teach people strength training. And you had to learn how to uh, work in a gym. There were, there were, back then, there was no personal training. It was just about being a gym instructor. Nine days. And the arrogance of me coming out of that program thinking that I knew anything Uh, we didn't even skip over the top of those topics. But I literally got a piece of paper that said I was now a qualified fitness instructor. I could write gym programs, I could teach group exercise, I could teach aquarobics, and I supposedly knew how to handle a first aid situation. And I'm sharing that with you because I'm embarrassed. And I hope that uh, you can learn from my mistakes. Because what happened is I was then uh, in charge of... and. when I want to say it that way. I was responsible for people's lives. People joined the gym because they were overweight, they had high blood pressure, high resting heart rate, uh, low self-esteem, uh, they wanted to lose weight, they wanted to get fitter, they wanted to get stronger. They had some, some people had mental health challenges. I remember the first time I had to deal with somebody that had severe anorexia, a lady walked into my health club and she weighed 29 kilos and she was 29 years of age. Uh, and you can say, well, you can learn on the job. But imagine if you said that to a doctor, you know, here's a, here's a skip, just skip over this information that you have to learn. And then when you get into the hospital, when you get into your own practice and you're actually dealing with real people, that's when you can start actually learning. Now, of course, we do learn from those situations, but wouldn't it be nice to know that your general practitioner, your doctor... And then, of course, your specialist knew everything there was to know, and they wanted to keep learning more about their particular area of expertise. So as an exercise professional, how much do we need to know? And I'm going to ask you very personally from my heart to yours, whether you are an exercise professional, considering becoming one, you're using the services of an exercise professional, or you just want your own body to be healthy, fit and strong. Are there some things that we must know, should know, and we shouldn't rely on people's opinions? Uh, There seems to be a lot of regurgitating of other people's opinions. So I read that on social media, or they say, and I always ask, I wonder who they are. Uh, There's some things that we seem to have accepted as truth or fact, uh, and we, we, we just keep saying them. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You should exercise for at least 20 minutes. You need to do three sets of 10. You need to do sit-ups to work your abdominals. And we, we list off these groups of things, and it seems that we then take that on board and then tell other people that it must be true. And I'm challenging you, please, to ask two questions about everything right now that you believe about the human body. If you want to be a true professional, These are the questions that I think every client, every person that we care about, every person that comes into our lives that we give advice to has the right to ask. 
Why are we doing that and how does it work? Do people have the right to ask you that? If you go and do somebody's class or somebody writes you an exercise program, gives you advice about food or, or exercise, do you have the right to ask, why would you give me that and how does it work? And would you expect not just a regurgitated answer, but would you expect that the person knows why, the exact reason why they're giving you that and exactly how it works? So I'll give you some simple examples. If you are given a group of exercises, whether you're an exercise professional or you're receiving those as part of a program, there's a series of questions to ask about every single exercise. And I think, again, that we have the right to ask. Number one is, what's the result that you want to get from that exercise? So rather than somebody saying, here, do this exercise, what do you want it to do for you? <laughs> what's the exact purpose? What's the exact result, the exact outcome that you want from that exercise or that exercise should be giving? So if I'm going to give you an exercise, should I know what the outcome or the result is? And if I'm the receiver of an exercise, should I know exactly what, what I want to get from that exercise? And should my exercise professional ask me, what result do you want to get from this exercise? So number one is, what's the outcome, what's the result? Number two, if I'm going to do it now because I want a certain result and if I believe that that exercise will give me that result... Should the next question be, is it safe? Is this the safest way to get this result? And of course, if I'm injured, if I hurt myself, I can't get the result from the exercise. Does that make sense? Uh, it doesn't matter how good that exercise is. If I'm busted or broken or my joint hurts or uh, I'm injured, I can't do it. So is it possible, or, and I'll go a step further, should we know whether or not an exercise has a risk of hurting somebody right now or a risk of hurting them in the future. And often you'll hear people say, oh, if you've got a sore knee or if you've got a sore shoulder, don't do that exercise. Could that be a warning sign that says sometime in the future, if, if, if you've got an injury now and it's going to hurt that injury, exacerbate, there's a big word, that injury, could it be a really good idea not to do that, that exercise at all because it might have the capability of injuring you? And should we know that? Should we know why the exercise, why we would do it and how it works and what the risk factors are involved in that exercise? It's a bit like when you go to the doctor and they give you some medication. I would never accept from a doctor a medication. I want to know why you're giving it to me, how it works, and most importantly, what are the side effects of this medication? And do they outweigh the risks of, like, do the risks outweigh the benefit? What's the benefit and what's the risk? And as an exercise professional, I think it's really important for me to know what the benefit of the exercise is and what the risk of the exercise is. And if the risk is too high, should I be giving somebody that exercise? And, and whew, I'm so passionate about this because, and I'll give you my two reasons. Number one, I've hurt people, I've injured people, I've given people stupid exercises and I can't take that back. I've wasted their time and I've injured them because I didn't ask why and how. I didn't learn my anatomy and physiology. I just believed the people that taught me stuff. I just believed the people with years of experience or the, the people that had university degrees or the people that were already writing exercise programs. I just believed them. I was so impressed by them that I didn't ask any questions. So when they gave me exercises to do or they told me, Rowie, when you write a gym program, these are the exercises that you have to put into the gym program, I didn't ask. And the only reason I didn't end up in court is pure luck. <laughs> 
Because if you injure somebody, please, and this is probably the, uh, the, uh, the most horrible outcome of hurting somebody, they have the right to sue you. They have the right to take you to court and take money out of your bank account because you were, were irresponsible or not responsible enough to learn about that exercise. And I'll give you a, probably the worst case scenario. Uh, there was a gentleman who, by an exercise person, and I won't call them a professional, they were given a sit-up with a twist. So they, and they had a medicine ball in their hands. So they, oh, sorry, they, you hold it on your chest, I suppose. So you come up off the floor with the medicine ball in your arms. So you sit up and then you twist, come back to the middle, twist, come back to the middle and go back down again. So that person uh, perforated their disc in, the, in their spinal 405 and they were a lawyer. So of course, as lawyers do, they sue. And the lawyer sued the trainer and the lawyer sued the uh, manager of the, of the personal training studio and they sued the franchise owner of the personal training studios, or the whole chain of studios, and they sued the education provider of the person that taught that exercise person to do that exercise. And they had every right to do that because they had to go and get back surgery. They perforated their disc. And I'll just give you a simple, if, if you're not familiar with how the human body works, L4, L5 is the, is the lumbar spine vertebrae, and between the vertebrae, of course, is a disc. And if you squish the disc and rotate the disc, squish the disc and rotate the disc, it will get injured. Uh, it will wear away. You're putting shearing forces across the joint. Shearing forces, so gravity's going through uh, uh, across the joint, not through it. So that's going to cause injury all by itself. But if you do this with a twist, now you're putting a serious risk into that joint. And the reason I share that with you is I had exactly the same injury when I was 18 years of age uh, from doing exactly the same exercise. I just didn't do it with a medicine ball. And I'm very, I'm privileged that I gave myself the exercise, so I have to take responsibility for it. So I didn't take myself to court for giving myself such a stupid exercise. And I'm also very privileged that when I went to a sports orthopedic surgeon, he said to me, you've been doing sit-ups, haven't you? And that's why you've worn away your disc and that's why you've got a back challenge. Now we're going to try and fix that challenge for you, but don't do that stupid exercise ever again. And that's how he said it to me, quite aggressively. And yet you can go to any gym or any personal training studio or most in the world today and there will be people doing sit-ups with a twist. Now I'm sharing that with you because... Uh, you have to be able to justify the exercise that you're doing. So remember, it's what result do you want to get? Is it safe? Is it functional is the next question. The next question is, is there a better exercise? Because if, even if this is a good exercise, what if there's a better one? Because you wouldn't want to waste people's time. So what do you want? What result do you want? Is it safe? Is it functional? Is this the best exercise or is there a better one? And should we be able to run every exercise, or should we run every exercise through that series of questions? And if we are going to waste people's time or there's a risk of injury, should we remove that exercise from our toolbox of, of exercises that we give people? Uh, reverse of that, if you don't and you end up in a court of law or you end up injured or your client ends up injured, how do you explain that? How do you justify, I gave you that exercise because somebody else told me that it was a good exercise? So if you don't know the muscles involved in the exercise, if you don't know the, 
the result that that exercise will or won't give you. So I'll use sit-ups again as an example. Uh, there's lots of reasons why people do sit-ups. One is to burn fat off your abdominals. Well, of course, that's not possible. Uh, if that was the case, if you could burn fat off one spot in your body, I would have a very thin face because I talk a lot. Uh, you could do this for a long time and have a skinny arm, but the challenge is you'd have one skinny arm and one chubby arm because you'd be burning fat off this arm. If you chewed chewing gum, you'd have a skinny face. If you played piano, you had skinny fingers. Obviously, you can't. The whole uh, physiology of fat loss, if you understand how that works, you know very, you, you don't need to argue with anybody. That's just a, an a, a anatomical and physiological fact that fat from the fat cell doesn't get removed from one spot at a time. So we're not going to burn fat off our tummy by doing this. Okay, what about I want to have strong abdominals? Well, if you can't lift your own body weight off the floor, then obviously, <laughs> yes, there's some strength work needing to be done. But ultimately, if we have a look at the function of the muscles that hold you in the upright position, and they're commonly called the core. As an exercise professional, first of all, should we be using non-anatomical terms? And if you look in anatomical textbooks, you won't find the word core. Somebody made it up in my career path along the way somewhere. Somebody made up the word core. And it makes sense because this, this is the core part of my body. But what are the muscles that make up the core and what are they responsible for? And if you, even if you don't understand anatomy and physiology, obviously the front part of your body works with the back part of your body to hold you in the upright position. So number one, why would we exercise it on the floor? When does the human body ever work on the floor? Uh, if, I, if I want to get stronger in the, in the way that those muscles work, shouldn't I be exercising them in the upright position? And if I can't lift my own uh, elbows and shoulders up off the floor, which of course we can, it's a very light weight. The human body is very capable of doing that, which means I'm not getting overloaded, which means I can't get any stronger. Why am I sharing this with you so passionately? Because it's one of those exercises that people just keep doing, and I don't know why. Because if, if somebody said to you, why are you doing that and how does it work, you actually have to be able to explain that. And as a client or as a somebody coming to your class or somebody coming to your uh, boot camp or somebody coming to your, uh, your gym, do they have the right to be given an exercise that is the result that they want? So if somebody wants to lose fat off this part of their body, if they want to have a strong upper or they want to have strong muscles to hold them in the upright position, I'll say that again, to hold them in the upright position, shouldn't we be able to give or should we give them an exercise that's going to be give them the result that they want? It's as safe as it possibly be, it's functional and it's the best exercise, not the second best one, because I'll go back to the time. I don't want to waste people's time. How about you? I can't get any time back and neither can you. So I want to get the best bang for my buck. How about you? If I'm going to invest money into an exercise professional or into an exercise program, I want to get the best result in the shortest period of time in the safest way possible. So I'm going to ask you again as an exercise professional, do you know the why and how of everything that comes out of your mouth? And for me, that was very challenging because when I met K-Man, health scientist, logical common sense scientist, a very smart man who forced himself to justify everything that he was doing. And he had to, because in his career path, he was training Olympic athletes, world championship teams, top level professional athletes, men who were getting paid millions of dollars to play baseball and to be professional athletes. 
and he was designing their exercise programs for them. Talk about having to justify why and how when there's millions of dollars involved. And can you imagine what it would be like if you busted somebody's shoulder and they were about to go to the Olympic Games? Or if you busted somebody's knee and they were about, about to play in the World Series? Uh, imagine the responsibility that there's no insurance that can cover that, by the way. And even if there is, can you imagine how that would feel? So I'm asking very, very... Uh, it's hard for me because uh, I, I get this. When I met K-Man, he made me justify everything that I was doing. And I had been an exercise professional from the age of... I started teaching classes when I was 13. And I met K-Man, I was almost 30. And that whole time, uh, I had done... I took about bits of paper. I've got nine pieces of paper that say that I'm a qualified exercise professional. So that's just the, the fundamentals. I've got nine pieces. And then the number of courses that I've done on nutrition, exercise programming, and specialization for women and menopause and training children and injury prevention. I'm, I've got so many pieces of paper, it's ridiculous. And you know, none of those pieces of paper made me justify what I was doing. I went to a course, they told me what to think. I passed the test because I'm a champion test passer. And then K-Man comes along and says, why are you doing that? And how does that work? Can you explain that to me? How does the human body actually function? Is that a safe exercise? Are you sure? Can you, can you explain to me why that is a safe exercise? If I want to get this result, can you show me how that exercise is going to give me that specific result? Is there a better exercise? And if, you, if I show you that there is a better exercise, why, why would you give somebody this second best exercise? And I uh, went through a very tough time in my headspace. So that's why I'm aiming to be as uh, kind as I can because uh, I felt very uh, stupid. Uh, I felt ridiculous, in fact, because I'd been an exercise, what I called an exercise professional for such a long time and I didn't know my stuff. It's like a mechanic saying that they know how to fix a car but they don't know the parts of the car or how the car works. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't send you you wouldn't send your car to a mechanic like that. Why do we Why do we believe exercise people who don't know their anatomy and physiology? And so that's my serious question. Do you know the muscles and bones and the energy and the systems of the body, all the systems and how they work together? The physiology of fat loss, the physiology of strength. How do we get fit? How do we get strong? And then we have a series of very safe, effective exercises. Are we using those to help our clients get healthy, fit and strong? Or are we listening to the regurgitation of the latest social media guru? And why would we believe somebody who's a social media guru? Now, they might be spot on correct, but how would we know? Should we know our anatomy and physiology so that we can analyze that exercise? And this is the question that I always give to my max exercise professionals. If your client comes to you and there's a brand new exercise being advertised at three o'clock in the morning on a TV infomercial, should you be able to give them a, a, a system for analyzing the exercise? Not you tell them whether it's right or wrong, but you give them a system to be able to analyze the exercise. And I have this brilliant system that, that has been developed over 40 years of my career path. It's really easy to remember. It's called the Smarties Principle. Uh, number one is, can I stick to that for the rest of my life? Is it in moderation? Is it achievable? Is it realistic? Is it time efficient, interesting, enjoyable? And is it based on common sense and science? And if I run that exercise through that series of the Smarties Principle, would I still do that exercise? But as an exercise professional, I have to know more, don't I? 
is that exercise, will it give the person the result that they want? So the infomercial is saying this exercise will get you fit, get you strong, help you lose weight, and the really fun ones, it'll help you burn fat off your abdominals or burn fat off your bum or burn fat off your inner thighs or it'll give you big muscles. Uh, should, I, should I be able to analyze whether or not that's true because I understand how the human body works? So what's the result that people want? Is it safe? Is it functional? And I'm very careful with that word functional because we get a bit caught up in, oh, well, if I'm a... If I'm an archer at the Olympic Games, or if I'm a judo, um, a professional judo fighter, or if I'm a uh, a tightrope walker, or if I'm a, uh, a, a rhythmic gymnastics person, uh, this is functional for my sport. Please be really careful with that word, because ideally, whatever sport or whatever activity your clients do. Uh, is it possible there's going to be a risk involved if it's a sport? So if somebody's a crossfitter or they're a powerlifter or they're a rugby league player or they're a boxer or a martial artist or they ride horses or they go mountain bike riding, there's a lot of things that they do that will put their body into high risk. But when I'm training somebody to get fit and strong, do I want to put their body into high risk when I'm training them? And I think that's a really important question. Isn't it my responsibility to make sure that every muscle, bone, ligament, tendon, joint in that person's body is as strong as it can possibly be? Is it my responsibility to make sure that person's heart, lungs, endocrine system, central nervous system are as fit as they can possibly be so that when that person goes out to do their sport, they're so strong and so fit that the risk is reduced from their sport? So if somebody's going out to play rugby league, there's a serious risk that they're going to get injured. It's a really high-risk sport. But if I train them in the gym or if I train them in my studio, if I train their body in a high-risk situation so that there's a risk of them getting injured while they're training, how irresponsible would that be? And I'm asking that question so passionately because I'm really nervous about the word function these days. I hear it thrown around all the time. Oh, it's functional for. And how about this? Is it functional for how the human body works? Does the human body actually work that way? And when I'm training somebody, shouldn't I get them as fit and strong as I possibly can in the way the human body works so that when they go and do their sport, they're ready for the sport, not they're already half injured because I've given them exercises that hurt their joints. And I'm coming at you from a very personal point of view because I stand here as an old lady uh, who's been exercising since I was 10 years of age and I haven't missed a day of exercise since I was 10 years of age. And I have a lot of, yes, overuse injuries because we, do, we give people so many ridiculous exercises that they don't need to do to get fit and strong. We just give them hours of long, boring, long, slow distance exercise. And I used to too. What a ridiculous thing to do, long, slow distance exercise. What for? To get a long, slow result. How about if I'm as fit as I can possibly be and as strong as I can possibly be, I can go and do anything, including Ironman and run marathons and climb mountains and do 24-hour races if I'm as fit and strong as I can possibly be. So I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't want to give people this old body that I've got. And I, I have wrecked my body because I didn't ask why and how. I didn't know my anatomy. I didn't know my physiology. I pretended I was very arrogant, which is ignorance combined with arrogance. So you, you tell everybody or you think you know everything. Uh, what I know now as an old lady is I don't know anything. I'm learning every single day. And I question myself every day. Regardless of what comes out of my mouth, I question, is that true? Why is that true and how does it work? Why would you do that and how does it work? Why are we saying that and how does it work? 
And please, as an exercise professional, as a coach, as somebody who wants to be healthy, fit and strong for the rest of your life, please demand those answers from yourself, from your coach, from the person on the social media who's delivering information. Demand that the person who says you should do this exercise, if you're going to do it, uh, then you should be able to have a very specific and strong reason for why you would do it and how it works. And if you don't get those answers, which is why I take full responsibility for my busted, broken body, because I didn't ask why and how. I just went and did the stupid exercises. And now every joint in my body is worn, worn away and broken, and I have to deal very carefully. And it's, I'm very privileged because I'm really fit because I do high-intense sprinting activity, which means I'm exercising for not very long. I'm really strong because I do very strong, functional uh, fundamental exercises that work every single muscle and bone in my body without putting shearing forces across my joints, which means I can function as a human being because I'm really fit and I'm really strong. But that's not because of my exercise that I've been doing all my life. That's in spite of that. Everything that I did up until I met K-Man who started demanding of me to be able to justify the exercises that I was doing, I was doing stupid rubbish and I'm embarrassed that I was doing stupid rubbish and I have to take responsibility for it because it wrecked my body and it wrecked other people's bodies and it stopped some people from exercising. And God forbid, but there are people I'm sure who are now dead because I didn't give them effective exercise. People have died of heart attacks and type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease and probably went crazy because this stupid blonde woman gave them silly exercises because she didn't know her anatomy and she didn't know her physiology. Please learn from my mistakes. If I hurt myself, I have to take responsibility for that. But imagine hurting somebody else and having to take responsibility for that. Wouldn't that just be awful? So if you're happy and you know it, should it be the other way around? I know it and I'm happy. I know it and I'm happy because I'm confident in my knowledge. If you're happy and you know it, learn your anatomy. If you're happy and you know it, learn your physiology. If you're happy and you know it, then ask your client what they want, and then make sure you can justify why and how. Wouldn't that be awesome? Ha, 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 ha.